0: And I am looking forward to our time together. Happy Palm Sunday. And as you uh, heard in the the announcement video, we're really looking forward to next week as we will be celebrating uh, Easter and the resurrection. Uh, Even this Friday, uh, digitally, we'll be observing the Lord's table uh, and uh, focusing on the death of Christ and his sacrifice. And so uh, be sure, and we'll try to remind you at the end of the service uh, to get by the table out in the lobby. We have prepared. Uh, some uh, Lord's Supper packages that you can take home with you so that on Friday night uh, when we observe that, you'll be able to partake uh, as Pastor Mark will be leading that uh, in the video. But be sure to stop by and get that. They're they're labeled one, two, and four as far as what they're prepared for, and so you can take as many you need that will be sufficient for your family number. But uh, let me just say uh, welcome, and Pastor Mark and Mag are out of town for... um, spring break, and I think they're traveling back today, but they communicate their love, and um, we are looking forward to just our time together as we consider the Word of God. You can turn to Psalms chapter 27 in your Bibles this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it on the screen uh, so that you can look that. Before we get to... Uh, the message this morning, wanted to reiterate uh, what the video mentioned uh, concerning Easter as well this week. Every week we've tried to equip you and give you something that you might be able to go and use to invite folks uh, to come to Easter services and to let people know uh, that they're welcome and we want them to be here. Uh, We've also provided the digital option as well for Friday. But be sure to get by one of the tables at the entrances. Uh, The the prayer bands are still there. We still have, uh, I think, some of the... um, the uh, gift bags and then also uh, the, the yard signs. Uh, if you have a question about that or need something, Dave Coyle will be out uh, in the front entrance after the after the service and he can and answer any questions you might have about that. But definitely this week, be sure tomorrow five o'clock uh, to, to jump on social media. Even if you want to pull your phone out right now, set a reminder. I use reminder app all the time on my iPhone uh, to remind me to do things. But Uh, to remind yourself to get uh, get on social media at 5 o'clock. I don't understand the science behind it, but I know that there's some type of algorithm that when we get a bunch of people on social media at one time sharing the church post, uh, that it helps build traction and a lot more people get visibility of it. And so it's just a tool. We want to utilize that tool to the glory of God. And so if you would be willing, if you have social media, jump on at 5 o'clock tomorrow, share that. Uh, and, and be sure to like the church's post as well. But we thank you for your involvement in that. But let's pull all the stops out this week. Uh, if you've been dragging your feet and inviting somebody, this week's the week. We gotta invite them, give them a, an invitation, send them a text message with the, uh, the link to the church Easter website, harvesteaster.com. And, and let's be praying as well this week, praying that God will do a work in the hearts of people as uh, we prepare and uh, as Pastor Mark will preach and many things going on, even for the children as well. But pray that God will encourage those that are saved and, and, and will see those that are not saved receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. So we're looking forward to that uh, this coming Sunday. Let's go ahead and look to uh, Psalms chapter number 27. We're going to read half the chapter. We won't be able to cover the whole thing this morning, but I want to read together verses 1 through 6. Uh, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple; for in the temple, of, or in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. The secret of His tab- uh, tabernacle shall be; shall He hide me? He shall set me up upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in His tab- tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises. Unto the Lord. Let's pray this morning, Father we pray that you'll be with us during this time, uh, we're thankful for the, this time of worship that we've already had and singing your praises and hearing that wonderful special Lord and we just pray now as we turn to the word of God that your Holy Spirit would just have his way this morning Lord that he would work through me Lord that I would be uh, used of you to completely and effectively and clearly communicate the truth of this passage and, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work in the hearts of all of us here this morning and those listening in on live stream. Lord, that uh, you would uh, work in our hearts and help us to apply the word of God to our individual lives. And, Lord, we'll give you the honor and glory for what you'll accomplish. Lord, and I pray specifically if there's somebody under the sound of my voice this morning that does not know you as their personal Savior. Lord, that they've, they've never received Jesus. Lord, that today would be that glorious day by which they would put their faith in him and receive the forgiveness of sins and lord we thank you for these things in jesus name amen Um, i'm going to start this morning by confessing and this may be a surprise to you don't let the beard fool you but i am somewhat of a scaredy cat at times um we have any scaredy cats in the room if you're honest you're afraid of certain things okay a few of you are honest honest enough to say that um and i'm going to prove it to you i actually have a 20 second clip but before we show it I have to give some context because it actually is pretty embarrassing. So I'm being transparent. I'm being, I'm being, uh, what's the word? I am being, um, oh, I can't think of it. Yes, vulnerable. Thank you. Yes, being vulnerable this morning. So don't make fun of me. Don't pick on me. But a couple years ago, my, my family and I went to Florida on vacation with my brother and uh, Pete and his family. And we were enjoying our time. Uh, we, we were uh, staying in a house and it was in a beautiful neighborhood, and I forget where we were. We went out to either eat or go to the beach or do some shopping. But we were coming back, and when we came back, there was a large crab standing right in front of the entryway to the door. Now I'm talking. I'm not talking about these like little crabs that you see on the beach that dig holes. I'm talking about big ones, big ones that that click. You ever, you know, what I'm talking about? When they click, when they're walking on the concrete and the cement, it. it just sounds like that kind of freaked me out. I, I, I'm afraid of spiders. My wife, we've been married for 16 years, uh, going on 16 years, and she's been the spider, ki- uh, the spider killer for the vast majority of our married life. In recent years, I have been uh, progressing and becoming more courageous and bold, uh, I'm trying to fear less. By the way, that's the title of the message this morning, to fear less. And, um, but uh, I have to confess, in my late 20s, I was struggling on this particular occasion. So my brother Pete was the one who was brave enough to deal with the crab, and I was backing him up. I was back up from a distance, coaching him on. And, uh, and I, it sadly, you'll have to listen to the video. You'll hear it. But I, I have a moment where that fear just wells up, and I, I basically scream like a little schoolgirl and yell out my brother's name several times. So let's go ahead and show the video. Yeah, it's like a big spider. Yep. He's not clamping it surprisingly surprising. What them things bite? Oh. <laughs> Peter, Peter, Peter! <laughs> oh, that doesn't freak you out? A little bit. Uh, Whoa, there he goes! Oh, there he goes! <laughs> okay, the thing about those is you can hear them clicking. I don't know if they bite or not, but I was just assuming that they did. And they move too quickly. Same thing with spiders. They, they can be 10 feet away from you and the next thing they're on your eyeball and you can do nothing about it. Uh, so it freaks me out. Uh, I'd rather pick up a snake, you know, or or deal with that than deal with spiders or anything that is a creepy-crawling critter like that, but I, I, like I said, I have become the spider killer in the house, I am making progress, I'm trying to fear less, Uh, but that's really what the message is about today, I don't know what you're afraid of, uh, what fear you're facing this morning as we look at the passage, and we'll unpack it here in a bit, but David is the, the implication is he's there's fears he's facing, and and we'll look at that, and we'll see how he processed it. How did David deal with these fears? Uh, my family and I recently we went to D.C. just last week uh, for a little bit of a, a spring uh, spring break getaway, and never been to D.C. before. We loved it. It was awesome, and got to see a, a number of the monuments there. We went to one specific one for Franklin D. Roosevelt, and, and on his. Uh, one of his um, displays was enshrined a a statement from his inaugural address, and it was this, that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And uh, fear uh, can can is is God given to a degree. Uh, it, it's interesting, the Bible, te- you know, fear is an emotion, naturally, that we have. We'll talk about the positives of that. But also, at the same time, God tells us that he's not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound, sound mind. Uh, and so there's, there's a good aspect to fear, but there's also a negative aspect to fear, and we have to learn to identify that and process it appropriately. Uh, fear, as I said, it's a human emotion that is triggered by a perceived threat. For me, it was the crab. Um, it's a basic survival mechanism that signals our bodies to respond to danger with a fight or flight response. And so for my brother, he was fighting me, I was flying. That was my response. Uh, in, in all actuality, though, that uh, it, it's, it's, it, as such, fear is an essential part of keeping us safe. It's good that you fear certain things. You know, a, a newborn baby has no perception of danger, right? No perception of fear. That's why they'll crawl right off the bed and, you know, hit their head on the ground because they didn't realize that that would hurt until it happens, right? There's, there's, there's no perception of fear. And, and as we mature and get older and as we experience life, there's certain things that we realize can be dangerous. And so we have a healthy fear of those things, right? Uh, and so it, it, that's a safety mechanism that God has allowed us to have. That's a good thing. However, uh, when fear goes unchecked and fear overwhelms us, whether it be from physical dangers in our environment or threats that we perceive, it can, it can cause us to experience negative impacts in all areas of our life. In, in, in essence, fear can be crippling. Fear can, can cause us uh, to, to not reach our full potential in Christ. Fear can hinder us from being all that God has called us to be if we'll let it. It can cripple, cripple us. I believe that in America, in our churches, even around the world, we live in a culture of fear. Fear of government, perhaps. Fear of the, the control of government or the corruption of government. Fear of crime or terrorism. That's We face that in our day today. Fear of financial insecurity. Fear of, of, of our, for our children's safety. Fear of death. Fear of sickness. COVID has brought a new reality to that for many of us. Fear of rejection. Fear perhaps of failure. That's Personally, that's one for me. Uh, I fear failing. I, I don't want to fail. I want to succeed. A fear maybe of public speaking. That list could go on and on and on. What's your fear? Whatever the fear may be, it can have neg- negative effects on our decision-making, it can cause us to have anxiety, it can, it can bring about depression, uh, it, it can uh, bring about poor physical health, the, the fear, uh, you know, the, the Bible makes it very clear that what happens on the inside ultimately is going to affect us on the outside, uh, that's why, well, the Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, uh, the merry heart, when your heart is, is, is well, it's going to affect you physically, uh, it'll do good to you like a medicine, uh, and the opposite would be true, too, when we're downtrodden, when we're, there's, we're overcome by depression and anxiety. That can have negative effect on us physically, uh, but also fear can have a, a negative effect upon us mentally speaking as well, and spiritually. And so we have, to, we have to understand this, and we have to be able to identify what's the healthy fear, what's the, the fear that's not healthy. It's no wonder why God addresses fear so often in the Bible, right? because we face it day, every day, uh, we face fear. In the King James Version of the Bible, uh, the, the phrase fear not or be not afraid, those two phrases are used 103 times. 103 times, and those, those are the specific uses of those phrases. That, that's not including the, the implied inferences of when you know, God is telling us not to fear or not to be afraid. There's many other ways that's communicated, maybe not specifically in that, those phrases. But needless to say, God addresses it a lot. God wants us to not fear. This psalm that we just read a moment ago, it addresses fear it, it, and how we can keep it in check. David's the author here, and, and as he's writing, he, he has faced adversity. And I'm not going to have the time to, to do a, a walk down you know, a memory lane as far as history is concerned in David's life. I would challenge you to, to do that on your own time, and a study of the life of David is, is fantastic. Uh, David, it, it was a man after God's own heart, but David was real. David had, you know, he messed up, he had setbacks, he was passionate, he loved the Lord, he won victories. Uh, it's, 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 a one, it's wonderful, but David, in the midst of all that, also faced adversity. David faced giants, uh, David faced betrayal, uh, David had to deal with leading an army and opposition that came with that and leading the nation and the difficulties that came along with that. David faced adversity, and uh, we saw that in the language here. It wasn't specific, but in David's life. These were things that David dealt with, and no doubt brought about fear in David's life. And while we, you know, you know, we see the words like wicked and enemies and foes and host and war and trouble, right, we, while we can't pinpoint the specific occasion or occasions he was referencing, what we can say is that whatever it was gave him good reason to fear. But really, what jumps out on the page, out of the pages for me is that David had learned to fear less, and here's the, here's the emphasis, don't miss it, when he, when he considered God. David learned to fear less when he considered God. I don't think any of us, we're, we're not perfect, right? For me to say that we need to be fearless. I, I could say that in a general sense, but in reality, we're all going to struggle with that. David struggled with it. You take the time, read the second half of the chapter, it's a prayer, and so David, he's, we're going to talk about David and, and, and the position that David had when it came to when he considered God and how it gave him great uh, boldness instead of being fearful. But then the pursuing verses in the next part of the chapter is a prayer where David seems to be wrestling with that practically. He understood it mentally and, and intellectually, but practically, he still had to wrestle that out, and we all do. I understand that. But David learned to fear less when he considered God. Now. I want to take a few moments. Let's examine this passage and see how we too can learn to fear less. I think if we're honest, we all fear. But this is something where God's word tells us and teaches us how we can fear less. How can we keep that unhealthy fear in check? David gives us the answer here. So number one, I want us to see, first of all, David's confidence. This is amazing. Look at verses one through three. Again says the Lord, and notice the 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 uh the tone of the passage when you read these these verses, notice the tone, the way by which, uh, the way in which David's saying. He says, "The Lord is my light and my salvation; whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life; of whom shall I be afraid?" That's that almost sounds like he uh, sounds like he's smack talking, you know. He, he's he's essentially essentially saying, "Hey, bring it on! I'm not afraid of anything. You can throw what you will at me. I'm not afraid. I got God on my side." It's like the the, the small dog yapping while the big, you know, Doberman pincher is sitting right beside it. You know what I'm saying? That's the, that's the imagery that I get here. David is that small dog yapping, but he has a good reason because he's got the big Doberman pincher. He's got God by his side. The Lord's my strength. The Lord is my light. The Lord's my salvation. Verse two, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should arise against me, in this will I put my confidence. Or in this will I be confident. We see David is confident here. David is expressing his faith. Okay, so where did this, where did this confidence come from? Where did, where did, how did this develop in David's life? I think the passage really gives us insight into that. I think first, David had a personal relationship with God. That's that's foundational. That's 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 baseline. If you want to fear less in life, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to have a personal relationship with God. Notice the the first person possessive pronouns. If you just went cross-eyed, what I mean is notice all the times where he says my. Right? In verse 1, he says the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my strength or the, the strength of my life is what he said. Uh, you see the possessiveness? David's saying, God is my God. I have a personal relationship with the Lord. Do you have one this morning? Do you know Jesus as your savior? This is how David was able to have such confidence, even in the midst of the fears, uh, the, the fear-inducing circumstances that he faced. I, I hear people say this, Christians say this, and I agree with it because I, I think about it myself. I could not imagine living life without God. I could not imagine going through life not being saved. I'm thankful for my salvation. I I received Christ. Uh, I made a profession of faith when I was eight, and later on, I got the assurance of my salvation, made sure that uh, I, I had placed my faith in the Lord personally and and it's changed my life and I'm thankful for that. Uh, I'm thankful for the guidance that that brings and and the salvation that has brought me and and the way by which God empowers me, but it's all started with that relationship with God. And da- David has this tremendous confidence because he is walking with God. Do you know him personally? Have you received Jesus as your personal savior? If you haven't, my prayer is that today you will and it's simple, it's as, the gospel as simple as this it's that we're sinners. Uh, the Bible makes that clear for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There, there's none righteous, no, not one. And if you think you're the exception, you're not. I'm not the exception. Nobody in this room is the exception, no matter how good we think we are. And because of our sinfulness, the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. It's what sin brought physical death, but sin also brings spiritual death. Uh, a, a, a spiritual death away from God, and spending an eternity in hell. And it's a horrible thing. We don't like to talk about it, but the Bible talks about it. Jesus talked about it, that hell's real. Hell is forever, and it's the place where those go who have turned their back on God and rejected his free gift of eternal life. But the the good news is, what we're going to be celebrating this week and next weekend is that Jesus saves. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you've never received Jesus personally, I didn't ask, did your parent are your parents saved? I didn't ask are your grandparents saved, I didn't ask are your spouse saved, are your children saved. Are you saved? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because I think if you'll examine yourself, if, if you're not saved, your 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 life is probably ridden with fear and that fear will not be dispelled until Jesus comes into your life david had that personal relationship if you've never received jesus i challenge you to do so but not only did he have that personal relationship david was the recipient of the of god's gracious revelation of himself let me say that again again david was the recipient of god's gracious revelation of himself. David, we're talking about his confidence. How did he get this confidence? He got this confidence because he had a personal relationship with Jesus. He was walking with the Lord. He's my light. He's my salvation. He's my strength. That, that's, that's the connection. That's the key. It's his relationship with God. And we'll, we'll look at God specifically in a moment. But that was the starting point. But how did David have a personal relationship with God? Because God revealed himself to him graciously. By the way, it is the grace of God that you and I are, are opening this book And we're learning about the Lord this morning. It's the grace of God that somebody came to you and shared the good news of Jesus. That's the grace of God. In fact, we're all the recipients of God's gracious revelation. And the reality is, is when we face that, when we're given that revelation, there's two two responses that can be, be had when that happens. The first response is to receive it. That's what David did. David received the revelation from God and it changed his life. The second response is rejection. Uh, and, and let me read you a couple of verses that, that emphasize this point. Titus chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says, For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. Uh, so God's grace and, and his revelation that brings salvation has appeared to everybody. Nobody has uh, not been a recipient of God's grace. And, and we have a responsibility to pursue God in that revelation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so God reveals himself to all of us. God has done that generally. The the Bible talks about that. We refer to it as general revelation. When it says this, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Creation itself, when you examine creation and you see the complexity of it, and you see the design in it, and you see the beauty in it, What that is, is it's a language, it's a universal language to all mankind that says there's a God, there's a creator, and as such, being the created, I'm accountable to him. And so I know that he's there, and you must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You need to pursue him. And so God graciously has not just given us general revelation, but he's given us more specific revelation. Through the, the, the annals of history, God has given, he's spoken to men. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about that. He's spoken in, in many ways in the past. He's spoken by vision. He's spoken by prophets. He, he's written messages on the wall. God has spoken by an audible voice. But in these latter days, he's spoken unto us by his son. The Lord Jesus Christ, that's the ultimate revelation of God, is the person of Jesus Christ coming to live in this, this earth as a man, as our great example, and then ultimately to die on a cross to, to pay for our sins so that we could have fellowship and we could have a relationship with the Lord. And so God reveals himself more specifically via the person of God and also the word of God. And so how, how do we respond to that? David responded by pursuing God in a greater way. Romans chapter 1, we'll not take the time to turn there, verses 18 and 21, it talks about this revelation from God, specifically the revelation of God's creation and what we can know from it. Uh, we can know even the eternal Godhead. We can know things about God just from creation. And the Bible says that there are some who hold the truth, that truth, the truth of, of who God is in unrighteousness. And they're given up to a reprobate mind. In, in other words, what did they do with the revelation that God gave them? They rejected it. They said, no, I, I don't want God's light. I don't want God's salvation. I don't need God's strength. I'll do it on my own. I, I'll be my own salvation. I'll be my own strength. Or I'll, I'll, I'll find it elsewhere. And, and that's a rejection of God. And, and when God's revelation comes to you, let me encourage you to receive that revelation and, and as you receive it, pursue it even greater. We'll see that come out uh, in a, a more specific way in the, uh, the pursuing verses. But so David had a personal relationship. We're talking about his confidence, right? Where did this come from? David is, is, is bold here. David is courageous. Even in the midst of all the, the, the enemies that are about him and all the circumstances of his life and what he's facing, yet he's able to say, hey, bring it on, bring it on. How did that happen? He had a personal relationship with God. He received the revelation of God and and pursued it. And what did he learn when he pursued and received that revelation from God? What did what does it say that he learned? David starts to verse one. He said, the Lord is. In other words, another way to phrase that would be this is what I've come to learn is true about God. If I I take that uh, rephrasing, so to speak, David is saying the Lord is this and this and this. Or in other words, David's saying, here's what I learned to be true about God, the revelation that I received. The Lord is first light. He's light. We grope in darkness, uh, the darkness of sin and the situations it brings. I don't have time to go there. Job chapter 5, Job chapter 12, read it. Job talks about God and his infinite wisdom and God and his his understanding and his knowledge is way above men and way greater than men. And men are just lost in darkness. We grope darkness in darkness not finding our way we can't and so but God is the one who leads us into righteousness and out of harm's way you think about the specific context right Uh, obviously David was applying what he learned about God in his immediate context and practically in his life As he's facing enemies and woes, God was light to him, gave him wisdom and understanding and how to navigate through all that. But even in a general sense, God is is his ultimate light. God is the one who has brought the light of salvation to him, the the light of knowing who God is and the forgiveness of God and the salvation of God. Uh, God is that in our darkness, God is the director. If you ever find yourself scratching your head at all that life throws at you and and wondering, you know, how am I going to know what to do? Am I the only one that feels that way sometimes? Sometimes. You know, as a husband, I remember when I first got married, I had no idea what I was getting into. And I don't, I I don't say that in a in a derogatory way. I say that it's like you just don't know what you don't know. And then you start living life trying to live life with another sinner. You know, day by day, and that can be difficult to navigate through. And and, and I parenting to this to this day so far in my life. I'm 34. I hopefully have a long time to live, but so far, parenting's the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's I need God's wisdom there. I need God's light. And God, he gives it. He's the guide. He's the one who has the answers. He's the the one that gives direction. He gives wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And he does through his spirit. He's the spirit of truth. He's the one that will guide us into all truth. And he does so through his word. That's why the, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so God is light. David came to learn this about God, and he embraced it. Not only did he learn that God was light, but this revelation that God revealed to David was that he is salvation. The one who saves and keeps safe. When faced with destruction and damnation, God is the deliverer. Do you feel defeated? You ever feel downtrodden, mistreated, attacked, overcome? Know this about God. He can deliver you. I don't know what you're facing. It may be something at work. It may be a besetting sin, uh, a, a controlling habit that, that's just wrecking your life, and you, you feel that I can't get victory in this area. I, I, I can't win. I can't succeed. I, I'm overwhelmed. I'm defeated. There's a deliverer. There's one who brings salvation. It's God. It's God. Who does that? He's our salvation. I love what the Bible uh, says when it comes to talking about our soul and and the deliverance. I do. Never mind. I lost my my other page. That's the one thing about digital is that sometimes you can lose things and that's not. Oh, here we go. Paper, old-fashioned paper. Um, I love what the Word of God says concerning the security of our souls, that we are saved. You think about the assurance of our salvation. How do I know that I'm saved? Well, God has promised it. Well, what does that mean? Well, how how valid is the person promising it? Well, he's very valid. Uh, he how strong is the person promising it? Uh, and and how uh, how able is he to secure me? Well, God is is all. God is um, 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 omnipotent. He's all strength and and able to do all. Is that omnipotent. Yeah. Omnipotent, But listen to this. Uh, in, in John chapter number 5 and verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come, come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. We're secure. John chapter 10 and verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. First Peter chapter 1 verse 5, Who are you? kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Uh, We can have the assurance of our salvation because of God being our deliverer. But it segues nicely into that next point. Not only is God light and God strength, but that deliverance comes because of God's strength. Uh, notice David said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. He's the one who protects and provides, or He's the one who empowers. Do you feel weak? I feel weak sometimes. Um, I have recently, over the last several months, I've been going to the gym with Dave Coyle. And I know you can't tell, I've been going to the gym. The thing about going to the gym is you have to, have to do the diet too. You can go to the gym and exercise, but you got to do the diet too. I struggle with the diet part, just being, just being uh, transparent here. But uh, going to the gym with Dave Coyle, and Dave is a beast. Uh, he's, he's short, stocky, he can throw up some weight. And so when I see him throwing up weight, and I see how many plates he has on the weight machine, and then when it's my turn to get on the weight machine, and mine are much less and smaller than him, at that point, I feel weak. Um, you know, And I don't know about you, but maybe you feel weak when the plate's and the weights of life uh, are on your shoulders. Maybe you're, you, you experience that sometimes, where I don't know what the circumstance may be. I don't know what the, maybe the relationship struggle may be, but that can be overwhelming. That can be exhausting. Um, but know this, that God is our strength. In our disadvantage, he is the defender. And so this is, this is what David had come to learn about, uh, about God. Uh, the, the revelation that God had given to him, this is what he knew to be true. And not only had David learned this to be true uh, intellectually, but he also learned it to be true experientially. And I love this point. Again, what are we talking about? We're talking about the confidence of David. David, why was he so confident? Because he had a personal relationship with God. What did he learn about God? Well He learned that God is indeed light, and God is salvation, and God is strength, and, and that he drew from that. And that was the that was the the strength and the boldness and the courage that he could draw from to, to have this confidence. But it, he also experienced the, the revelation that God shared him to be true experientially in his life and in his context. Notice that verse 2 says, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Notice that it Verse one is more rhetorical, right? He's asking rhetorical questions. Verse two is more reflective; it's past tense. Uh, past tense, and, and so David is saying, "Hey, uh, his enemies had stumbled and fell. God had indeed been his light and his salvation and his strength." I don't know all that uh, what it means to eat up my flesh, but I don't know about you. I don't. I don't want somebody coming after me and eating up my flesh. I, I think the idea there. Is its complete destruction to devour uh, and to destroy him? Uh, but he was in that in that situation in the past, and he experienced the deliverance of God. He experienced the direction of God. He experienced the defense of God. Think about it in his context. As far as God's direction was concerned, He gave him the ability to lead a nation and to lead God's people. As far as deliverance concerned, uh, remember uh, He faced Goliath as a teenage boy. Uh, it, he, that wasn't in his own might and his own uh, uh, wit and, and strength. It was because of God, and God delivered him, uh, even when he was running from Saul uh, and, and, and and all the mistreatment that was happening there. God worked in his life, and David got to experience that. And 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 even with the times of dealing with the Philistines, and and God had provided strength through the battles and all that David faced. And and reflecting upon this this past of God. Working in his life and being these things to David, it bolstered his faith in the Lord. Can I challenge you to regularly reflect on your past and what God has done for you? It'll bolster your faith, it'll bolster your confidence, Uh, it'll help you fear less. Uh, Because the idea here is that God did not fail him then, and he concluded that God would not fail him today, and God would not fail him tomorrow. And so, Think about it. You may be facing a, a situation that invokes fear in your life, but just stop for a moment. Think about when that happened in the past, and, and did, did God show up? Did God provide? Uh, did God meet your needs? Did God give you direction and wisdom, and did he give you deliverance? Yeah, God didn't just leave us hanging. God, God he works in mysterious ways, and he works in wonderful ways, and, and God is there. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, and, and we can trust in him, and we can rely upon him, and David says, I can have all the confidence in the world. When I think about what God has done before, he'll do it again for me today. He'll do it for me tomorrow, and so whatever you are facing now, and whatever you may be facing in the future, consider what God has done in the past, and draw encouragement from that. So we see David. It's David's confidence, but not only that, notice number two, we see the commitment, The commitment of David. Verse 3, it starts. It says that, Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Uh, So we've seen rhetorical in verse 1. Verse 2 is more reflective. Verse 3 is more resolve. Notice what he's saying. Notice the the tone of it. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this I will, or will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And so David's commitment, because David had learned and experienced these things to be true in his life. What things? He learned about who God was. God, he had a personal relationship with him. God had revealed himself to him. Uh, David had experienced the working of God in his life in the past. And, and so he's drawing the logical conclusions here that, man, God is good and God is faithful and, and God is able. So I'm going to make some commitments moving forward. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fear less. He, he makes a, a, a distinctive commitment to, to fear less. Although he had reason to fear He decided, I'm not going to fear. He actually says, he says in verse three, my heart shall not fear. He he speaks it. And I think we would do well to speak that to ourselves also daily when we're faced with fear that we need to say, you know what? I'm not going to fear. I I know there's good reason to fear, but I serve a great God and God has revealed himself to me and God has made some promises to me and God has shown himself strong to me in the past. And I know he will today and I know he will in the future. And so I'm not Going to fear. Uh, I, I, I think that, as I mentioned, nobody's perfect in this area, but... We need to pursue it. We need to wrestle it. Uh, As we pray, we need to seek God's face and and seek God's strength. And Lord, help me to have boldness. Help me to have courage. And and Acts, Uh, Peter and John and the disciples, they were preaching the gospel boldly. And they were getting persecution. They stood before the Sanhedrin council. And they told them, don't preach in the name of Jesus. And if you do, you'll, you'll, you'll pay for it. And they threatened them. And they beat them and sent them out. And what they do, they went and they prayed together as a church. And what did they pray for? They prayed for boldness and for courage so that they would continue in what God had called them to do. And so they said, you know what we need is we need to look at God. We need to look at our Savior. We need to look at the the one who's the light, the one who's the salvation, the one who's the strength. And so they said that we're not going to fear, but we're going to move forward in boldness and courage. The the flip side of that coin, as he said, I'm not going to fear, but here's what I am going to do. I'm going to trust God. Notice that in verse 3. In this will I be confident. In what? He he says in this. Everything that he just talked about. The this is God. I'm going to be confident in God. I have a personal relationship with him. And he showed himself to me. And and I've learned how great he is. And how strong he is. And how he can provide. And and he never fails. And so in this I will be confident. He says I'm going to trust God. In God. David deliberately placed his faith in God. And, and the Bible tells us that the just live by faith. You know, we're, we're saved by faith. That's how we enter into a personal relationship with the Lord. But we ought to live. We need to continue in faith day by day. Continue in it. Trusting God is a moment-by-moment moment choice. Yeah, in, in any given day, you'll, you'll be faced with things that'll come your way that'll invoke fear. And, and in those moments... We have to to decide, am I going to live in fear or am I going to live in faith? Faith, Fear is crippling. Fear is debilitating. But faith in God is empowering. It's enabling. And so we have to make a decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to take counsel of my fear or am I going to take counsel of my God? It's a day-to-day, moment-to-moment decision. And so whatever your fear is in your context, we have to apply it. Not only did he say, I'm going to fear less, but I'm going to to trust God, uh, uh, opposite side of that coin. But number three, he wanted to stay near God. Did you catch that in verse four? One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David wanted to behold the beauty of the Lord. I love that phrase, by the way. Man, come to church, why? To behold the beauty of the Lord. Read your Bible. Why? To behold the beauty of the Lord. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time uh, worshiping God. Why? To behold the beauty of the Lord. It, the, David wanted to go to the house of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. In, in that day it was a tent. Uh, the temple had not been built yet. Solomon, his son, would build it eventually. David would prepare the materials for it, but Solomon would build it. But at that time, uh, the, the house of God was a tent. And, and And David, it was his desire. He said, I want to go and I want to be there all the days of my life. Uh, In in essence, what was David saying? Did he prefer the tent over his palace? Uh, Yes, to a degree, but it wasn't because it was uh, necessarily the edifice in and of itself. It was a tent. He had a nice palace. What was there? The presence of God was there. That's what was there. David wanted to be in the presence of God. If you think about it, as he's learned about who God is and the strength that God has and the light that God provides and the deliverance and salvation that God can give us, why would I stray from him? Why would I go away from him? Because when we do, think about it, when I stray from God's light, what am I turning to? Darkness. I'm turning to darkness. When I stray and try to do things in my own strength, really what I am is weak. Only God is strong and only he can can empower me. When I try to save myself, what am I walking to? Damnation, destruction. So David said, Here's my commitment. I know who God is, and I've experienced Him in my own life. I am not going to stray from Him. I want to stay in His presence. I want, to, I want to be near Him. I don't want to wander from Him. Obviously, you know, I think Jonah's a good example sometimes it's difficult for us to wrap our minds around some of these concepts in the Bible is that, can I stray from the presence of God? No, not in a location sense. Jonah tried to do that, right? He tried to stray from the presence of God and went uh, the opposite way God told him to do, but God knew where he was on that ship. God knew where he was when he was in the belly of that fish in the bottom of uh, the, the ocean, and, and God knew where uh, he was when he was in Nineveh. God knows where you're at. You, I often, as I teach kids, I'll tell them, you, know, when you play hide and seek, you can never find a good enough hiding spot that God won't know where you're at. So never, never try to play hide-and-seek with God. Um, but can we distance ourselves from God's presence and fellowship? Absolutely. We can distance ourselves by neglecting prayer. We can distance ourselves by neglecting worship. We can distance ourselves by neglecting that time alone with God one-on-one and even corporately. And so we need to be careful. David desired to stay near God and what, what else did he commit? He wanted to see more of God, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord. The beauty of the Lord, uh, David had tasted, and he saw that the Lord was good. He saw, God gave him revelation, he tasted it, and he saw that God was good. And, and he knew that intellectually, he experienced it in, in his past. And, and now, as he is making this commitment, that I'm, I'm not going to fear, I'm going to trust God, and, and I'm not going to stray from the presence of God, but I want to see more of God. I want to pursue the... I want to get more revelation. God has given me some revelation, but I'm going to obey it and I'm going to pursue it in a greater way. Do you want to know God more? It's not enough to hear about the experience of God from others. You have to behold His beauty yourself. Do you want to know Him? Do you want to know Him more? Paul did. The Apostle Paul, this was his testimony, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto his death. He, he wanted to know him. Do you know your Savior? Have you experienced him personally? God wants us, he wants to know you and he wants us to know him. We gotta move quickly. What else did he commit? He committed to serving God. That, that next part of verse number four, uh, to inquire in, the, in his temple, uh, that, to inquire is to seek and to ask what was David seeking and asking for in the temple of God? Was he asking after God? Perhaps. I think that's the idea of beholding his beauty. He wanted to come to the place where God's presence was so that he could learn more of God. But I think part of what he wanted to do was that he wanted to seek and ask what his duty was before God. This is where I'm in God's presence. I'm going to learn what God expects of me. I'm going to learn what God's calling is in my life. And I and by the way, that's a natural response is to want to when you encounter God and you get to know Him and you experience Him in your life. Naturally, you should want to say, "Lord, what wilt Thou have me to do?" That's what that's what Saul did. Remember Acts chapter nine on the road to Damascus. He was actually on his way to arrest Christians for being followers of Jesus. But the Lord met him in the way and revealed himself to, to Saul. And what was Saul's immediate response? When he encountered the Lord, when he received that revelation of who Jesus was, and, and he, he, he didn't reject it, he received it finally. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And God gave him a calling. And God does the same thing in your life and in my life. And we have to be committed to serving God, saying, God, what's my duty? As I learn of you and what you've done and how you work in my life, what can I do in response to that? What would you have me to do? Let me ask you, what is God asking you to do? Have you considered that in his word? He'll reveal it to you. He has. Are we seeking it out? And when he does, are you obeying it? Now, we can relate to that because God tells all of us to do certain things in, in, you know, in a general sense. But God will also speak and give you specific duty in your, your individual context. Your, God has given you unique skills. God has given you unique abilities. God has given you opportunities. God has equipped you in a certain way different from anybody else. And God, he wants to deploy you for his honor and for his glory and to, uh, for the kingdom of Christ. Are you serving God. Are you committed to him? We see David's commitment. How David had this confidence and David had this commitment. This is what was helping him to fear less in his life. And then lastly, we, what do we see in verses five and six? We see the comfort that, that David got to enjoy as a result of this. David wasn't being destroyed by fear. David wasn't being crippled by fear. In fact, it's the opposite. David was experiencing victory. David was experiencing comfort and joy. Look at it in verse number uh, five. It says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praise. Praise unto the Lord. David understood what the benefit of his commitment and his confidence in the Lord would be. He, he uses the word for there in verse 5. It's a conditional word. If this, then that. If I have this commitment, if I have this confidence in, in, in God and I dwell in his house and all the implications that went along with staying in the presence of God, then I will enjoy this comfort is in essence what he's saying. David knows that God will treasure him. What's, what, what's that comfort look like? God's going to treasure him. That word, to hide, it means to, to treasure up. You think about what you treasure up. You put it maybe in, in some type of a safe at home or maybe you have a hope chest or something like that. What do you put in those things? What do you treasure up? Things that are valuable. You know what David realized is that I'm valuable to God. Now, in and of ourselves, in our sinful state, I understand there's nothing good in, 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 in and of us, but in Christ, we have value. And God loves us and God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. And and David he he was learning that man, God loves me and I'm valuable to God. And he's he's gonna treasure me up and put me in his pavilion. He's gonna he's gonna protect me. He's gonna he's gonna take that which is valuable and he's gonna conceal it to place it out of sight and out of the sight of danger. He's gonna put it in his pavilion and in his tabernacle. He's gonna place him up. On a rock, put him in that high place and out of the reach of danger. Do you see the comforts that David's getting to enjoy? That David is going to be treasured by God, and David is going to be—he's going to be protected by God, and and David is going to prosper. Do you see the exaltation? David said in verse uh, six, "And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies." Uh, You know, when when hardship comes our way. it it causes us to stoop. It causes us to bow our head when we're under the load and enduring the pressure. But when God comes and when our confidence is in Him and when we're committed to Him, He's the lifter of our head. God exalts and lifts us up and we experience victory, victory over the enemies, victory over that thing you fear. And He gives us an occasion to rejoice and to praise. I love how that ends. He says, I'm going to in the end of verse 6, he says, I, I will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Remember how we said in verse 1, it was rhetorical. Verse 2 is reflective. About verses 3 through 4 were uh, more um, resolved, David's commitment. But now we see David rejoicing. Verses 5 and 6, rejoicing you see how that's the complete opposite of what fear? Fear brings depression. Fear brings anxiety. And when, when it overwhelms us, it's crippling. But David's not in that state. David says, no, I, I, I'm treasured by God. I, I have the provision of God. I have the protection of God. God has given me prosperity. I can rejoice and I can praise God. I don't know about you, but I, that's where I'd rather live. I'd rather live there in that state than live crippled by fear. And so David here experiences The comfort of God, the protection of God. You know what's interesting is we never really experience in God and in Christ any real danger. Our soul is secure in Christ. The enemy can do what they will, but we will utterly come out victorious. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Dom, you lost me there. I've experienced physical harm before. Have you not read history? The martyrs who that burned at the stake, you telling me they weren't in danger, they didn't experience harm? Sure. But think about it in the scope of eternity my my mom passed away a number of years ago cancer did she lose the battle with cancer humanly speaking yeah but where's she now she's healed completely better than i can even fathom i can't even understand it did she lose was she in any real danger no what about those martyrs well same thing where are they now what did god use them to accomplish He used them for his glory and for for the the testimony of God and his word and to, to reach lives. You see, even in that danger, God brings life and God provided strength and God was a deliverer, not only to them ultimately, but to those to whom they reached. So you think about your context. Whatever you're fearing is, yes, that may be a speed bump. That may be a hurdle, humanly and temporally speaking, but ultimately we will emerge victorious in Christ. If that doesn't give you confidence, that doesn't make you want to have a commitment to the Lord, that doesn't bring confidence to you, I don't know what will. God is good. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and let's thank God for the encouragement of this message this morning. Father, thank you for the strength that you provide. Lord, I know in my own life I need it daily. Lord, thank you for the light that you shine in our lives, Lord, thank you for showing me my sin and saving me as a young man. Lord, thank you for giving me wisdom day by day to how to be a husband and how to to raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And Lord, uh, to to be a pastor and to try to minister to your people. Lord, thank you for giving your strength in all of that and your wisdom and your salvation. Lord, it's my prayer that this morning those that are hear or listening in whatever it is that they're fearing Lord that they would assess it and determine whether or not this is a healthy fear determine whether or not that this fear is 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 right and Lord if it's not that they'll that you'll give them confidence that they'll stop looking at their problems stop considering their circumstances and start looking at Christ Lord that's what David did when he did that man what confidence he had The commitment he had to to you, Lord, it strengthened him, and it, it helped him as he lived his life and faced the battles. And Lord, oh, he had such comfort inwardly, such peace, joy. Lord, that's my prayer for each person here today, that they'll experience the joy of the Lord, they'll experience the peace that only he can bring, that they'll praise him with their lips day by day. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you may be sitting here and you say, Pastor Dom, at the beginning of the message, you talked about how the foundation of David's confidence was a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if I'm completely honest, Pastor Dom, I don't know that I have a personal relationship with him. But I'd like to. If that's you, today is the day of salvation. Today is. You can have that relationship now god will take you as you are in your brokenness in your mess your sin and he'll forgive it if you'll just ask him if you'll just come to him and say lord i know that i'm sinful and i'm broken but lord i've considered you this morning and i know that you're loving and you're caring and you've given your son jesus christ to pay for my sins and if you'll just ask him to save you he will You say pastor dom that's me I'm not sure that I'm saved, but would you pray for me? I'd I'd like to to know the Lord as my Savior. Would anybody raise their hand and say, Pastor Don, pray for me? By your testimony, then, you're saying that you are saved. And if you're saved, you have that foundation. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for it. But what about you? What are you fearing this morning? God may be tapping you on your shoulder and saying, hey, about this about that. Maybe a person. Maybe a problem. Be honest with God. He already knows. He already knows what it is. You don't have to try to put a front on with God. We're all broken. We're all fearful. But can I challenge you this morning? Give it to God. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm placing this at your feet. I'm trusting you in my fear. Give me that confidence. Help me to be committed. I want to experience the comfort that only you can bring say, Pastor Dom, the Lord spoke to me this morning about my fear. Would you please pray for me? And I promise I will. When anybody say that this morning, I promise I will. Let's pray. Father, thank you for those that have raised their hand and Lord, you've, you've spoken to them and you're working in all of our hearts. Lord, help us to recognize it. And Lord, I pray that you would help them in their need. And Lord, we rejoice that you are a very present help in time of need and We thank you for your goodness. Amen. Matt's going to come. He's going to lead us in a closing song of of reflection and and rejoicing in the Lord. I would challenge you, if the Lord's speaking to your heart, don't let that go by the wayside. Deal with it and commit that to him and rely on him, and the Lord will bless you because of it. Matt. How great is our God, Savior. Make sure you stop by the communion table and grab your pack for Good Friday. We'll see you next week.